0: Yeah, so I love my birthday, and I like getting older still. And I, you know, when you're a little kid and you're always stoked on like getting older, and when people ask you how old you are, it's exciting to tell them. Maybe like if you're almost seven, or if you're almost seven, but not quite, you might say something like, "I'm six and three quarters," because you're so stoked on getting older. I'm still kind of like that, and so anyway, I still like my birthday, and. Um, I'm 38. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm excited about that. <laughs> um, so it was exciting for me when Bob asked me to if I would teach today because I haven't taught in it's been like a year, and it felt like a birthday present that I got to do it today. So um, anyway, okay. So I'm just going to um, share with you guys. Uh, from a place the way I like to share is to just give you a glimpse into sometimes some of the things that the Lord is speaking to me and just downloading to me and um, and just bring you in on that world and talk to you a little about a little bit about what he reveals to me through these things so um, in December or January uh, or last December and January this year I can't remember exactly I was just kind of sitting around and Thinking through some of the really hard things that I had been through in the in the year previous, and um, and I was just trying to, and I was just sort of meditating on what that looks like um, connected to the Lord and my future and who I was and things like that. And all of a sudden, I got this thing that just downloaded into me, and and I'll read you just sort of like the raw moment note that. And then I'll go through and sort of unpack what, what that meant to me. Um, okay, so here's the, the the note in the moment was, um, when we look at Jesus, we don't usually see a man who is um, brutally beaten and betrayed, flesh-torn, thorns crushed into a scalp. We generally look at him and think about a man who was strong and stayed focused in his identity and his purpose. and. And while being persecuted, he prayed to God and asked for the forgiveness of those who were doing those things to him. And, um, and to me, that image just kind of connects to this thing where I love the idea that we can go through really challenging and really brutal and really hard things. And as life goes on, um, people can't tell that you've ever been through any of that stuff. And not because you've crushed it down and hidden it but because there's something um, for us through the kingdom to be able to live a life uh, that has nothing to do with any of those things. So anyway, yeah, so um, yeah. So when we look at Jesus, oftentimes um, I feel like we don't necessarily focus on how tough his life really was. We, we um, talk a lot about his love, obviously, That is a big thing right now even um, cross-culturally even in the um, people who aren't Christians are really talking about like oh but Jesus loved so that is like the highlight of who Jesus is right now in the in in the United States especially like the non-christian world wants to see Christians show up in love so there's a lot of talk around that right now in which he is Um, but there's more to that we um, but anyway so I think that we um, we have a tendency—I know I have—through the years to um, to miss that there's more to His life story than the miracles and the healing and all of the goodness that He does come and reveal to us. And so, so anyway, as I was meditating on the bad things in Jesus's life, <laughs> I was thinking about that, and then I was thinking about how, um, you know, He says. Uh, when you see me, you see the Father. So obviously he's a representation of God and everything that's available to him or everything that's available to us through him. And so I wrote down this thing and um, just saying that like to me, when we, sit, when we read, when you see me, you see the Father, it says that everything that we see Jesus do every act of love, and every miracle that he performs, everything that he overcomes, and that's kind of one of the things I want us to focus on today, everything that Jesus overcomes, it's all a glimpse into like the powerful things that, that God has for us. And Jesus's life is a framework for how we can live our life. And one of the things that I wanna connect with that is um, how imperative it is for us to understand our identity. Um, Knowing our identity and what it means and how when we understand our purpose and what we're here for, how it keeps us tethered And I always, when I say that, I literally envision, I don't know if you've ever done like a zip line thing. I just envision this like spiritual zip line and we know our identity and purpose it just keeps us tethered to that. Um, That's like always the picture in my mind. But anyway, when we know what our identity is, it keeps us tethered to the truth and it literally pulls us through. Lies and it keeps us secure. And victimhood cannot stick because we're tethered and we're just moving through. And I believe that being attached to your identity is a, is a force that's powerful. It, it makes me think of gravity. When you're, when you're attached to that, it's going to pull you through any storm that you're going through, anything that feels hard, anything that's got you in moments of despair and hopelessness that is the thing that you attach to. So anyway, um, I want to, I'm gonna leave that there for a few minutes and uh, <laughs> I spent time digging through trying to find all of the things that I felt like could have been hard or we know are, or we know we're hard for Jesus. And so one of the first things that, um, that I came across was he was conceived outside of marriage. Do you think that there's any kind of a chance that there was a stigma around him that he ever had to endure? Cultural pressure because of how he came to be? I know in in the United States right now, that's not necessarily a thing, but I can remember, you know, not even 20 years ago, where that was a huge stigma. some of you are old enough in here who maybe you've lived with that stigma because that's how you came to be, or you know people who were. That's an intense thing to carry. Jesus potentially experienced that as well. Um, King Herod wanted him dead before he was born. Do any of you have a parent who wanted you aborted? Know someone whose parents wanted them aborted? And I'm not saying Herod wanted Jesus aborted, but the life he wanted his life extinguished. And Herod was so hard after Jesus, that an entire region of baby boys was killed as a result. You think there is anything that maybe Jesus carried or his family carried that they had to endure anything because here's because of this boy. My baby's dead because of you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Maybe. Obviously, we know that he was betrayed by Judas. Anyone ever been betrayed before? (laughs) Not fun (laughs) at all. Jesus has been there. Peter disowned him. Peter, why? He was tempted in the wilderness if you just think through that portion of everything that he went through. I'm sure some of us in this room can relate to some of the horror that he experienced in that time frame. I know it's kind of weird to like focus in on some of this terrible stuff, but there's a point to it, so let's just keep going, hang with me. Um, so the Pharisees never stopped trying to outwit, outwit him or question him or test his wisdom. Um, I wanna to read to you this one thing that just, it makes me laugh because, dude, like the phrase haters gonna hate just has been around for a long. <laughs> like haters have been hating since the beginning of time, <laughs> you know? So um, in Luke 6, I don't know if you wanna read along, Luke 6, 6 through 10. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. (laughs) They're just still waiting for him to trip up. Uh, But Jesus knew uh, what what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and go stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it. He looked around at all of them and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and the hand was completely restored. (laughs) But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were so furious, they began to discuss what an, with one another, what they might do to Jesus. And I just think that's hysterical and so sad because some people sometimes in our lives just can't find anything better to do. (laughs) We've all experienced that. Or if we haven't, I shouldn't say we all, some people really haven't gone through some of that kind of stuff too badly. But I know some people who have had family members or friends or coworkers or whatever, who literally do nothing but sit around and wait to watch you trip up so they can get you in trouble for it. This is like totally relatable stuff. Another point, uh, rejection was just such a regular part of Jesus' experience, or or gosh. Just think back for a second in a moment in life where you have felt rejected. Jesus went through that regularly he shows up in um, in Nazareth at one point um, and it says that he was full of the Spirit and so this actually made me think about some of the stuff Bob was talking about last week how he said um, just because things are going good doesn't mean like you like it's a God thing and just because things are going bad doesn't mean it's a Satan thing you know Jesus is going, it says he's full of the Spirit, and so you're automatic, like, a modern thing could be like, oh, it's like, this is going going so well, so I know it's the Lord, and since it's of the Lord, it's going to go well to the end. (laughs) Um, But that's not always how it is. And um, anyway, so it says that he was full of the Spirit, and he was in a synagogue teaching, and things were going really well, and then all of a sudden, uh, some of the stuff that Jesus said Uh, because, you know, he liked to push the buttons a little bit and crush cultural norms a little bit. And the crowd completely flipped. And it all began to go south. The the crowd got so angry, they ran him out of the room. And as, like, basically a mob, they pushed him to the edge of town. Their intention was to push him off a cliff. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) Not fun at all. Um, But Jesus related to that experience in a particular way where he, in grace and love, just turned around and walked through the crowd and left. (laughs) Um, Another thing that I think is um, pretty tough is how Jesus predicted his own death. Think about that death that he was facing. And he knew it was coming. And he kept moving forward anyway. Do you ever have like, I don't know if you're younger, do you have a, a paper, a big paper due? And think about all the stress and anxiety that can cause you. Or at work you have, Maybe someone you need to fire or there's tough conversations in your family that need to be had or these things that we know need to take place in the future and how rough that experience can be on like a hormonal and emotional level. You know, like the the adrenaline just like dumps in your stomach and it hurts and you feel like you're going to vomit for days and you can't sleep and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus lived knowing what was ahead of him. And depending on how we relate to what we know is coming down the line, it can be, and what I think we see with Jesus is that, depending on how we understand what's going on, and depending on how we relate with it, it can either be extremely traumatizing or not at all. Obviously, um, I don't even need to elaborate about his experience of being beaten and wounded and persecuted on the cross Um, really tough stuff that he endured as a human Um, so Then he goes through everything on the cross, and then obviously we have the amazing uh, moment of his resurrection. And he rises from the dead. He's here on the earth for 40 40 days. and um, It's so funny to me that after he'd experienced, even if, the persecution and the experience of the cross and everything leading up to that wasn't enough to break a guy. (laughs) Like He also had all that other stuff that we just talked about. But even if that wasn't enough, he dies and he rises from the dead and he doesn't even talk about any of that. He's like, I'm here. Okay, awesome. That's over. I knew we had to cross that bridge. What's the next bridge? He's tethered. He knows exactly where he's going. And he's moving forward he's not he doesn't show up wanting to talk about how bad it was Mm -hmm. he doesn't show up and talk about how much it hurt and how much it broke his heart or any of that stuff he comes back in power focused and knowing exactly where he's headed He He had to um, walk with the disciples. He appeared to the disciples at least three times. It took him so many times, three times at least, to convince them that it was him. Um, Thomas was obviously so unsure. He wanted to stick his hands or his fingers in the wounds. And Jesus was so patient was like, okay, what do you need? I'll show you. Let me, let me take some time. I'll remind you of the prophecies. This is exactly what was supposed to happen. I'm here. You've known all of this all along, and you're still not sure it's me. But he took all of that in stride, and he did everything it took to make sure everyone was on board, and everyone remembered, and everyone knew exactly what was supposed to be going on, because... I mean, pretty soon he was going to be leaving and things were going to be changing. So we, he had to make sure things were wrapped up and ready to roll. <laughs> um, in the end of the book of John, it talks about how um, the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples, they had been out fishing all night. And uh, they and Jesus is on the shore. They're coming back in. And... He hollers out, he's like, hey, did you find any fish? Or did you catch any fish last night? And, and they're all like, no, we didn't catch anything. And so Jesus, Jesus is like, he doesn't quit performing miracles for people. He's like, oh, cast your net to the right. And so they do. And the, so many fish fill this net that they can't even pull the thing back on board. Um, and I, love, I love that picture of him and what he's willing to do. for us no matter what he's been through or what's going on because the point is where he's going. And then they, so they finally get to shore. Jesus has like a little fire going on the beach and he's like, come on, I'll make you some breakfast. (laughs) He makes them a meal. (laughs) I think that's hysterical. <clears throat> he never quits showing up. Um, last week, uh, Bob or Robert made a comment. I don't know if anyone caught it, but it immediately like perked my ears, and I wrote it down. He said, "Your identity is not found in the temporary things, Jesus." knew that. And he showed us that over and over and over and over again. He went through so much junk that we are aware of and then potentially a the stuff we can speculate about, like you know the things that we assume could have happened because of cultural stuff. But Jesus knew, that his identity wasn't found in in, the, in any of that temporary stuff, and he stayed connected. So, anyway, um, one thing that I don't want to happen is I don't want anyone to sit here and kind of get in a mode of like, "Well, Jesus had it worse." Um, I don't want anyone to ever settle into a position of comparison because that's not what any of this is about, and that doesn't actually get you anywhere. The point is, um, actually, let me not. I don't want to jump to that. Um, what I'm what I want you to recognize is that, um, you know, we know that Jesus was here fully fully God and fully human. And in his human experience, that when I sit and read and think through his life experiences, um, he went through the gamut of things that many of us go through. um and i think that we forget about that we kind of we'll look at his highlighted experience around the cross and we celebrate that like once a year but there's what i want to try to focus on is thinking through what he's showing us and how much he did experience that was tough and that was hard and like the life template that he's showing us through that and what's available to us through that. How did Jesus relate to each of these situations? What was his takeaway? Did any of them trip him up? Get him off course, make him question, slip into despair? I mean, maybe some of it did a little bit But did he always get refocused? Yeah, he did. He stayed focused through the end. He completed what he came here to complete. Um, So I mentioned identity earlier and there's a lot. There's been so much talk about the concept of identity in the last five-ish years or so, and um, our identity is so much more than being a son or a daughter of a king. It's actually, and I think it's a definition that we should all personally search out and and really find the fullness of what that word actually means to our life. But. Um, Because I just think that it's easy to let the the word identity get really narrowed in to just, I'm a daughter of the king. What does that even mean? You know, I'm a son of the king. What does that even mean? Um, But I think identity is so much more than that. It's knowing why you're here. It's knowing your purpose and how valuable you are. Knowing who your king is and knowing that every and knowing everything available to you through him to walk this planet in power. And the power that I'm highlighting here is the power to enc- encounter the toughest stuff on earth. The toughest mental battles the toughest emotional battles the toughest financial battles the toughest Changes in cultural shifts Political battles everything Um and facing it head-on And we face this stuff head-on not because we have some like great human ability Uh, And, like, courage and grit. I mean, that's all stuff that we have, but God built us with that stuff. And we can't forget that. But it's, we face this stuff head on and we power through this stuff because there's an intense power in how Jesus walked through his life attached to his, the fullness of his identity and knew what he was here for and he endured everything because of that, and, and he asked for nothing in return. The, 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 end, the end game is the setup of the new covenant, which is it's set up beautifully so we can't fail it, and we get to decide to not even participate. We don't even have to do anything. Like, we can choose to not partner and be in relationship with the Father. So Jesus went through hell to set something up for us that we don't even have to choose. So there's another thing that we need to recognize as well. He asked for nothing in return for all of his, hard, his hardships. And I think part of that is because, well, one, love doesn't work that way. But two, there's a certain... Uh, Fulfillment and like living in like the glory and the satisfaction of walking out what you're doing what you're supposed to be doing <clears throat> um, One last thought that came to me as I was uh, Wrapping up my notes um, Did I get through them all? That was fast. Hold on, <laughs> Are <you> on track? <laughs> <laughs> Am I? Oh, yeah, two two thoughts um Okay, one thought is, um, we have to do a lot, because life is hard, um, and some of us go through extremely traumatic events, that's real, and I'm not trying to undo that. That stuff is valid, and you and healing needs to be sought, and we need to take care of those things. Hopefully, because we know that there's so much more for us than to just live as a victim of our trauma forever. Um, yeah so so please, please hear me in that. Trauma's real and uh and I honor that. Um, but I was thinking about if we could, whenever we're in a in a moment of the hard stuff, if we in I guess this is what I'll leave you with is if we can. Start asking the Holy Spirit to come in and show us what power is available to us in that situation. How, show us how to relate to the situation. And just give, just literally Holy Spirit, what is available to me in this? I have no idea what that's gonna be. It's gonna be different for every person for whatever unique situation you're in. What is available? I know there's power for this. And I'm and that may not I'm not saying that's going to be answers, but there's a powerful force of something that can come in and be with you in that and help your heart relate to the situation and this is what I'm thinking is if we can relate to what's going on from a powerful position that's partnered with the Lord I wager that trauma doesn't even take place. Maybe, maybe not. Just thought. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Can you rewind the date? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. If we, when we're in the midst of something um, that's hard, and we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and specifically ask, like, what power is available to me in this moment? You know, what do you have to give me here? Um, that if, that there's the potential that we then begin to relate to what's happening to us, that trauma actually can't occur. I'll have to, I'll have to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you even if you're thinking about it from a position of like domestic violence or whatever, what how did Jesus relate to all of the physical violence that was being done to him? You know, that's just like that's the question I'm asking. Did he was he traumatized? I don't know. And if he wasn't, was it because of how the power that he was the position of power he was in and how he related to what was going on. I don't know. It's just it's a it's a question that I'm throwing out there and I'm um that I would love for everyone to begin to explore. Yeah. I, I, I think part of it is mm-hmm. What exactly do we mean by trauma? Yeah.
1: There's an active in, incoming. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: kind of trauma. Right. And then there is the reactive trauma. Right. How do we what do we do with it? Yeah. And so and it it can
0: get very semantic. Yeah. And you're you're introducing the idea that you don't have all the information mm-hmm. and that God can give you more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah exactly. Yep. Yeah, so um so so there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> um thanks yeah and i just love to give you guys some of these little things that i spend time um exploring with the lord and digging through and finding and um just to you know because this stuff takes us to higher places and deeper places and and um you know and i want you guys if i'm doing this and i feel like it's taken me way over here in this good place i want you guys to be able to track and you're like oh yeah Thanks for sharing that and I'm gonna dig into that too. You know what I mean? Like keep us all up to speed together. So anyway They said oh, I know I I actually wound up meshing them together um, It was the eliminate trauma um, Concept and then the other one was um, To invite the Holy Spirit in and ask What's available for you to get through? Oh and also to heal Yeah Awesome. Thanks, guys.
1: That was deep. That was very deep this morning. That was awesome. Um, I just love how, how there are times when, when God really, when, when we ask, God will pull us deeper. So I, I, I was—I've always been told, be careful what you ask for, because you might get it. And and when we ask to go deeper, that's when it's time to really tighten up the seatbelts, and give it one extra tug to make sure you can barely breathe, because you you may be going on a pretty wild ride. Mm-hmm. So um, and I think you know just to add something to that last bomb you just. Laid out here this morning I, I what rung true to me was something that I had I learned many, many years ago was what Jesus did in everything. Num- number one, everything he did was deliberate. Every breath he took was deliberate and it pointed to something. Um, and and everything everything he did, every choice he made and every every act of obedience that he engaged in was yeah. was him taking, full responsibility for his life. So the trauma thing is, it doesn't negate the act if something happens. Something traumatic happens to someone. It never negates the act. Um, I sat in a workshop one time many years ago where this guy was talking about victim versus responsible. And he's talking about this kind of stuff. And this woman in the back of the room freaked out. And just started screaming at this guy. And, and she said, and she was telling her story. And she said, I was viciously raped when I was 16, 17 years old. And, and, and how dare you say that I'm not a victim? And how dare you? And she was so attached to the act that she allowed it to invade who her identity really was. And, and, and he had a tear come down his cheek. I'll never forget it. I watched him, you know, shed a tear, and he apologized for what happened to her. And he said, but now what are you going to do about it? How do you move? Because if we don't move, the trauma overtakes us, and it becomes who we are. So I walk around <laughs> a beaten, broken. It just, it, it's so, it blows my mind when I hear people talk about how broken they are. Because it's just a deception. The act hurt. Trauma hurts. You know, always. Yep. So, so, but our stories, something Fount is teaching us with this, in this Gafka thing is, get attached to the story. Not so much the information, but he said, don't try to grasp the story. Let the story grasp you. Let the story captivate you in 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 the word so thank you that was that was awesome
0: that was awesome and i just want to um i want to thank renee and i want to pray over all of us for what she said and when she said um ask holy spirit invite holy spirit in because yeah we're not negating that trauma happened never we're negating we're never saying it didn't happen because it did But we're asking Holy Spirit in that moment to take a look at it with us and say, what can you give me in this moment with that? How can I overcome this? I know I'm powerful, Holy Spirit. So what is available to me to use to get over that? So thank you for all the information you gave us to explore deeper. And I just want to thank you. For giving us those nuggets that you ponder and spend time with, that you can give us to go deeper. Thank you.
1: You good? I can. Okay. She said that I was gonna that she was gonna pray over everybody, but she didn't. So I'll do it, I'll do it. You're a mess, you're a mess. <laughs> so Father, we just, number one, we thank you for Renee and for the person that she is. God, we just we just ask you to continue to, to do your work in Renee's life. God, we release a blessing unmeasurable over her family. God, in the lines that come after her, God, we just release continued blessing and a shift in the atmosphere and a shift in our culture because of who Renee is. And likewise, we release that same thing over the church, the family that we have here, that, that we are powerful, God. We acknowledge that, 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 that we want to go deeper as a church family in, into who it is that you say we are. So God, we ask that you continue to speak to us individually and corporately as a body as to who we really are. What is our identity? Who is our identity wrapped up in and what do you want us to do with that identity? God, help us. Help us to not allow our identity become a title or a status symbol, God. That that God, you know, you sent Jesus to model exactly what you want us to do. God, so so help us to serve. Help us to serve the people that are walking around in a deceptive cloud of, of, of false identity. God, Lord, we just give you all the glory for everything you've done this morning and the things that you're gonna do moving forward. We declare these things in your name, Amen.